0: Welcome to the Baseline Community Church podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to see all of you. I know there is a bunch out there on the courtyard, and assume there is some people watching at home, so we can just assume you are there. But it's great to have you here on this Sunday. So, um, so uh, researchers tell us that the normal American, and as I look around, most of you are normal Americans. I would say that. That, well, except, that's right, we've got an English man here, so, uh, but maybe that would, this would probably work. Oh, we got two English guys, that's true. Any other English people? No. This probably fits for y'all too, but um, that on a typical day in this last week, you you were um, bombarded, I don't know what the word would be, influenced by between 6,000 and 10,000 advertisements in one day. Hard to believe. It, you know, but you think about it. You're on your computers, pop-ups, things are running on the banner, all those sort of things. You're driving your car. There's billboards all around. You're uh, standing at Starbucks, and, and there's all these ads that are there as you're waiting. You go to the market like Stater Brothers. You're walking around. There's all sorts of ads. But you are being bombarded every day. It's, research says between 6,000 and 10,000 messages are coming towards you each and every day. And in that same day, you either heard or read close to 10,000 words. Again, could be a song, could be something, but it's just happening. So we're constantly, constantly bombarded by messages all the time. And all this input that's happening into us can create uh, great confusion, um, even bewilderment even what is, what's going on. And, and the thing that we're trying to figure out oftentimes by getting all these, is what's, what's really true? Right? What's really true? When you have this many messages coming in at you, you're reading this many words, you're hearing this viewpoint and this viewpoint and all these things, and it really makes the question hard. Okay, What is really true? And last week, Kyle spoke about Jesus being the way. And it comes from John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we want to look at what does it mean for King Jesus, this one we just sang about. I love these these hymns about Jesus being the king. What does it mean for Jesus to be true or to be the truth? And to do that today, to start out, I want to go back to the Christmas story that's found in the Gospel of John. So, if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 1. It is is a very different Christmas story. Most of what we get are kind of the stuff is from either Matthew or Luke. But here's John's version of the Christmas story John chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 to 5 and then 10 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 10, he was in the world, though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, All right, it's, it's, obvious, it's, not the, it's not the Christmas story we know. There's not, not a mention of a donkey, of an inn, of a trip to Bethlehem. There's no angels in this. There's no Mary, no Joseph, none of that stuff. So it's, it's, you can see why it kind of gets left to the side, right? It's not, it's not what we think about. But it is such a rich section of Scripture that talks about this birth of one who came from God. And I'll walk us through it just a little bit. One of the images that John uses in here is that light is shining into the darkness. And that ultimately is the truth of Christmas. That Jesus Christ came into the world as a light to the darkness that was around. In verse 5, it says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Uh, The other versions you might read would say the darkness has not overcome it. That this light that God sent into the world in Jesus Christ has not been overcome by the darkness that's around us. And that is the picture of what Christmas is all about. But then in the beginning of this section, it's a, it can be very confusing. John writes, in the beginning was the Word. Then, what does he mean by this? What, was, what is the Word? And, th- and this Word was with God, and this Word was God. And, and, and he is saying that Jesus Christ is the Word. And the word there, the Greek word that's used there is this word logos. It's a really important word in Scripture. And here's a, here's a definition. It says, um, logos, first of all, is a, collection, a collecting or collection both of things in the mind and of words by which they are expressed. It therefore signifies both the outward form by which the inward thought is expressed and the inward thought itself to think and to speak. All right, you're even more confused now, right? I get it. So here, let's try this. This is is a really important thing to understand about what John means by the word. So I want you to do this. Think of something that is in your house. Something that's in your house. Picture that in your mind right now, okay? And now, on the count of three, I want you to speak it out. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, guitar. So I heard table, chair, I said guitar. We thought of something in our minds and then we spoke it out. Okay, think of this now, and another thing. Think of a... Character quality you want to be known for. Something that you just wish that people would looked at you and said, you know what, that is who that person is. Okay, so think of that quality. Count of three, we're going to say it out again. Ready? One, two, three. Loyalty. Good. So we have all these thoughts. So that is what John means by this phrase, the word. God, and I'll say it this way. Jesus is the word of God. It's the expression of all it means to be God. That everything that God thought about, this is who I am, this is what I am, he spoke it into being in Jesus Christ. Here's how it's said in in Hebrews chapter 1. It's a little different. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God spoke That Jesus is the exact representation of the God. That every quality of God, everything that ever was thought about who God is was spoken into Jesus Christ. Colossians 115 in the J.B. Phillips version put it this way. said, Jesus Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. That if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus, the way he lived, what he said. He is the visible expression of the invisible God. And then going back to our passage in John chapter 1, verse 14, one of the great, great uh, uh, verses of all time. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That this word, that the whole expression of who God is, put on flesh, was born as a baby. This is what Christmas is all about. That every quality of who God is was in this person, Jesus Christ. And this is how you know God. And then it says that this God, Jesus, was full of grace and truth. And those are two qualities we need to experience in our lives today. We need to understand God's grace in our lives. We need to experience his truth also. Grace, and you may have heard this, grace is God's undeserved favor towards us. Uh, Dallas Willard has a way of putting it that I really like. He says that grace is God accomplishing in us our lives, what we cannot do on our own, that that is God's grace, that he accomplishes in our lives what we cannot do on our own. Truth is that which is real and verifiable by experience. And so John, in his Christmas Christmas story, says that Jesus Christ came, that the word put on flesh, and that he lived among us as one who had grace and truth. And so much of what Jesus did when you read those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that this king that we're talking about came to be a revolutionary. And he came, and his revolution was a revolution of words. what he did. He didn't raise up an army to take over. He did some incredible things in terms of healings and things like that, but mostly what he did was a revolution revolution of words, of of causing people to look at life differently, of causing people to wonder about who God is and how he relates to us. And so truly was through his words that he brought about change. And often, there's kind of these bookends that you see in the scriptures, oftentimes, that uh, happen uh, with right around Jesus' words. Something would typically start a certain way. He'd speak and teach, and then there'd be something at the end. And oftentimes, at the beginning, this is what it would say. Matthew chapter 5, and this is leading into what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 1. It says, uh, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach him. So many times when Jesus was going to teach, a crowd gathered. People wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. There was something so new about what he said, something so freeing about what he said, something so grace-filled what he said, something so true about what he said that crowds wanted to come around. And you see this at the Sermon on the Mount, a crowd is gathered. We see this at other times where there's so many people there that he has to step into a boat, and the boat gets pushed off into the lake a little way so that he could actually speak to all the people that are there. Another time he's speaking in someone's house, and there's so much room that people are outside the windows and all that so that the friends bringing the paralytic couldn't get in. Everywhere, Jesus taught there was a crowd because people were drawn to his words were drawn to what he was saying. And then he would speak. And then the end bookend would go something like this. Chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 28. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He taught as one who had authority. They were amazed by his teaching, amazed by his words, by his truth. You see, Jesus taught as one who had authority. The teachers of the law of Jesus' day and the Pharisees, they would teach oftentimes too. There would be on a Saturday, the people would come to the synagogue, they'd open up the scroll, they'd read the scripture, and then somebody would teach about it. But oftentimes what would happen is that the rabbi and would uh, use what's called the Mishnah, which was uh, like a commentary that had been written by previous rabbis about these scriptures, and, and they would use those to kind of say, well, here's what we think it means. Jesus taught so differently. He taught as one who had great authority. In John chapter 12, it says this at verse 49, and these are Jesus' words. He says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. That was the authority that Jesus spoke from. This incredibly intimate relationship with the Father, where the father would tell him, here, Jesus, this is what you are to say. And because of his obedience, because of what Kyle spoke about last week about the way of Jesus, right, that Jesus was willing to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after his father, that he would speak exactly what the father wanted him to say. And that was where he found his authority. That's why people were drawn to want to listen to what Jesus had to say because of the authority. It didn't come from Jesus's higher education. It didn't come from even his own wisdom. It came from the Father who told him, this is what you should. So this week, I, um, I, I did a little exercise. Because the other thing we know about the, the Bible, right, is that this is called the Word of God, Right? Going back to John's definition of that, right? That this is the word of God. We talk about, I'm going to study the word. We're going to read the word. This is the word of God. That's where that comes from. And then in my Bible, um, the gospels, this is called a red letter edition. I don't know if all you have a red letter edition, but what that means, if you've ever heard of that, is that the the words of Jesus are printed in red. And so what I did this week is I took a couple of the gospels. I took... um, portion of John and, and all of Luke or, and Mark, and just read the red parts of my, those Gospels. All the words of Jesus. It's a great exercise, and it's one I will encourage you to do too. But as I read his words, then I tried to just come up with, what is it that Jesus actually taught? it that drew people to want to listen to him? What is it that people would walk away going, wow, that was amazing? And so here's, I just wrote up a little paragraph of, here's what Jesus taught. And I'm going to read it just so I don't miss anything. So this is what Jesus says. There is a God who created you and deeply loves you. His greatest desire for you is to be in relationship with him in the kingdom of God, and to be in honest, loving relationships with others so that you will flourish. The most important or the most real part of you is the part that no one else sees, your heart. We live in a broken world because of the sin and that there's so much in life which hardens our heart towards the truths of God. God's kingdom is mysterious and organic, And it often finds itself in conflict with the world, which is full of struggle and pain. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, meaning that the ways to experience abundant life are often very difficult, very different from how the world around you tells you to live. Jesus says, as you have been loved by me, you are to love others. As you have been forgiven, you are to forgive. You are to find great joy in, how you, in when you live in my ways. You are to be a light to the world. I will be arrested by the religious leaders, tried and convicted. I will be killed on a Roman cross, and then three days later I will rise again. But that is not the end. Through my death and resurrection, you will receive new life. You are the people of God. Those called out in my name to continue my work and sharing my truth with the world One day I will return to judge and redeem, and everything will be put right. Do not fear. I am with you always. Now, I know it's a really general kind of summary, but here's the thing I would encourage you to do. Honestly, many of us have been Christians for 30, 40, even 50 years. Even if you've been a Christian for less than that, you've gone to church for a long time. You've heard the words of Jesus. You've read the words of Jesus often. Take some time this week. It'll take you about a half hour to read all the words of Jesus in one of the Gospels. And take some time and just grab a piece of paper and say, what is it that I know about what Jesus has taught? What are the truths that he has taught? And then just start writing them down. And and here's the thing. If you get to a point and you're like, wow, I don't understand what that means, text me or text Ken or text Kyle or somebody and just say, hey, I was reading this. I will tell you this. That That would be the greatest text or email we would get all week. It's from somebody from our church saying, hey, I was reading the words of Jesus and I didn't understand this. Can you help me understand? But, but go through on your own. You can do this. And come up with, what do I know about the teachings of Jesus? What is it that he says to me that, that I really need to know? But get, get in touch with us, because honestly, sometimes the words of Jesus are, are difficult to understand. There's portions that are really not really easy to understand sometimes. And we as your pastors would love to to walk alongside you and say, here's what, here's what we think it means. Let's talk about this. You know, there was actually a time in, in when Jesus' ministry is recorded in John 6, when, when he was teaching, and, and, and the people were he was, said some really difficult things. And a whole bunch of the crowd just kind of left and started leaving. They didn't like what Jesus said. I, I never said that Jesus' words were easy. Sometimes they're difficult. And the crowd that was listening to Jesus on that day did not like what he said and they all left except for his disciples. And he looked around at his disciples and he said, are you guys gonna leave too? And then Peter says this. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You have the words of eternal life. This grace and this truth, you being the word of God, you have the words of eternal life. We understand that you teach a different way of living. Peter's like, hey, Jesus, ever since you stood on my boat that first day I met you and were preaching to the crowds, I knew there was something different about you. Ever since I started following you, Jesus, I heard you teach every day to people, and I could tell there's something different. There is nowhere else I can go, Peter says. You alone have the only words by which I can live. So this is the point in the sermon where you should be asking yourself, so what? What does this really mean for me? And the question is this. What is your source of truth? Again, we're bombarded all day long by people that are saying, this is true, this is true, follow this, do this. And my question for us, again, is how well do we know the words of King Jesus? How well do we really know his words? Are are you willing to take a half hour this week and read one of the Gospels and read his words? to take a half hour to write down, here's what I really believe Jesus has said, and allow those to be the truth that guides you, that that would be the word that leads you. Because the second question is just as important, is are you going to follow the truth that you hear from Jesus? We might know what he says, but am I really willing to actually do what he says? In Luke 6, Jesus again looked at the people following him, looked at his steps and said this. Hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why, why would you say I'm the Lord? Why would you say I'm the King? Why would you say I'm Messiah? Why would you continue to listen to me and not do what I say? And he's not doing it because he's mad at them. He's not doing it because he's angry with the people. He's just saying, look, I have the words of life. Because he followed it up with a, with a little parable that we know really well. I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well-built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You see, Jesus speaks his words. Jesus speaks his words to us and he wants us to hear them. He wants us to then put them into practice because He wants us to have a life that is well built. A life that has a foundation because there will be storms that come. There will be torrents that rage against our life. But it's the word of God and the words of Jesus that are the foundation. So this Christmas season, how well do you actually know words of Jesus and are you willing to put them into practice to be (laughs) men and women of the red letters that we read let's pray together the Lord um, so grateful for your word grateful that the word became flesh made his dwelling among us and spoke truth to us and spoke it with such grace, but spoke it with such authority. So continue to teach us, Lord. Continue to show us as we read your word, as we experience the Holy Spirit on our lives, continue to show us what is truth and may that be the foundation of we, how we live our lives. And may it ultimately find itself in a life that is well built and a life that experiences joy. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to baselinecc.com.